We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a casual recap of the Knicks 2022-2023 regular season. We have two inconsequential games left, and the Knicks have clinched, or how the cool kids say it, I guess the, the Knicks have X'd the five seed. Um, I'm XJ. I'm here with my two friends, Mensa and Sean with a W, to break down what was a very successful regular season for the New York Knicks. Uh, you know, we're going to today, we're going to get into all of our micro and macro takeaways on the, the season that was. But first, as is our tradition on casual Fridays, let's do a quick vibe check. Guys, what's good? Mensa, how are the vibes? The vibes are the best they have been since I've been a Knicks fan. Uh, up and down season, we can get into the recap a little later, but man, oh man, am I proud of this team, especially after we sat our uh, three uh, highest usage basketball players and proceeded to watch Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quentin Grimes drop 30 each, 30 plus each. It was the vibes are as good as they've ever been. Short term, long term, you can name it. Best I've ever seen them. Sean, how you feeling? I would say the vibes are pressure free because literally. I, or you know what? The vibes are relaxed because, as you said in the intro, we have two games left. They're inconsequential. I think John had a tweet earlier either yesterday or earlier this week where he said like, this is the first time the Knicks have had games that do have not meant anything since 2013 because either we were, f- because either we were fighting to get into the playoffs or we we're fighting for lottery position. Um, and, and last night we're taping, well, Wednesday night, you saw a team that played relaxed. <laughs> I mean, threes that we have 11. <laughs> like they had just like the fact that we had th- th- three players with 30 plus and five made threes for the first time since 1979. And all three of them are players uh, that we drafted and two of them are drafted in the 20s. So we're relaxed and hopefully we can relax until tax day because that's the next time the Knicks play a game that means anything. Yeah, I, I, I could not 
say it any better than you both already said it. I completely concur with everything that you said. I feel relaxed. The vibes are completely spotless, blemish free, fresh out the dishwasher. Like anything you want to say on, on that, like it's just, it's just perfect. It's the best it's been since possibly 2012, possibly before. I mean, the fact that we're talking about these three young players that just had a great, each had a great game in the same game, uh, aggregating 107 points in a single game. I don't care if it's literally against the G league all-stars, if it's against the Duke blue devils, like I'm hype about that. Like that's, that's great to see. That's the kind of thing you want to see. Um, and we're going into the postseason. a couple, you know, we got these two games coming up where we can just chill and relax. Like Sean said, I'm just feeling great. Feeling very, very, very calm, very ready to go into this Cavs series. But first let's just take a look back at the season. You know, let's, let's recap and let's take a look back at the season that was, um, you know, in our, in our quick pre-show meeting right before this, we, we, we talked about, you know, like what are the themes we want to hit on? You know, I don't know if you're saying something, Sean, you were, you were muted, but I, 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 oh, I was saying our pre-show meeting took an hour because that's so much time and effort that we put into this. All right. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> an hour. I felt like 90 minutes. I'm not sure. Maybe it was, maybe it was two. It's not clear to me, but um, we talked about the themes that we want to hit on. And, you know, we, all three of us came down on one thing. One of the big recaps, the big takeaways uh, on this season. Um, And we'll talk about more, but you know, maybe we'll just close the, close the book on this one. Emmanuel. I I need to go grab my glass for the Celtic tears. I'm sorry. I'll be right (laughs) Uh, on that note, Emmanuel quickly, his case for six man of the year. Can we close the book on the six man of the year conversation? We're 80 games in the season. We got two games left. Things are not going to change now. I've seen a lot of stuff on social, seen a lot of stuff on the, you know, on the ESPNs, the Fox sports. I don't watch that too much, but you know, I see stuff on there. Um, what do you guys think? Can we close the book on this chapter? And where are we with it? Oh, so I'll, I'll jump in really fast. Um, I'd like to say that Malcolm Brogdon has been outstanding this year. He's been great. Um, and I know we want to say that it's a lifetime achievement award if he gets the six man of the year award. But I do believe that Malcolm Brogdon deserves the seventh man of the year award. Um, definitely, you know, because the idea of a six man is you are, you know, the sixth, which means that if one of the five, like we can do math, right? If one of the five, like if I was sixth place, right? And the second place guy got disqualified and they had to reevaluate yeah. the, the standings and that one is gone, then I would now be one of the five. So that's the how idea, it works. Yeah. The idea that Emmanuel quickly started 21 games or however many games, I think it's been 19 so far. You start and and that's been the boost in his stats. Um, first of all, I'm not dumb. Second of all, impact is impact. Third of all, that's the point. That is the point. A guy that is so valuable in his role that he is actually a good starter on another team where there's an opportunity. The New York Knicks have had opportunity after opportunity arise for Emmanuel quickly to show his stuff and start 
And we've seen what he's doing. I think what it is, you know what? <clears throat> now I'm thinking about it. I think what it is, is when Emmanuel quickly started against them <laughs> and had that double overtime performance and showed everybody around the NBA who's who. I think that's why Celtics fans are so angry because, like, oh, well, if he didn't start, no, 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 no. Just because Emmanuel quickly took your ass and handed it back to you does not mean that he does not deserve to be a six man and that his stats are somehow inflated. That guy's so, a starter. That guy's a starter. You brought that starter to the garden. Starting the garden, right? Look, we need to stop whatever that is that's going on up in the uh, New England area because it's not, come on, man. Like, let's, 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 let's be smart about this. And, and then you can look at all the other guys who won six man of the year after starting a good amount of games. And I believe the actual qualification for it is um, did not start as many games as he came off the bench. Um, so why are we now moving the goalposts? And I, I just let's let, let's let's quit. Let's let's just let's be adults and give it up for Emmanuel quickly. The rightful six man of the year. Uh, that quickly got, uh, you know, he's a good player, but uh, he's not really, he's not six man to you. Sprock is all right there. All right. I want to hear that fucking bullshit. All right. It's fucking bullshit. Get that shit out of here. Uh, look, um, <laughs> I always say that the, uh, well, I have not said that, but many people have said that uh, the heaviest jersey in the league is, is orange and blue. And part of the reason that that jersey is the heaviest is because the New York Knicks made the fatal mistake of being bad during the rise of social media. And for many people, basketball didn't start till 2009. So they have only seen one, what they've only seen one way for the most part. So it's hard for them to compute or digest that this team could actually be good at stuff and win stuff. Uh, it was just interesting because when I was growing up, uh, the New England Patriots were the laughing stock of the league and no one believed they could win the Super Bowl. And then they did. And now they've completely turned it around. I say that to say this. Uh, a lot of people just have a hard time looking at some 6'3", diminutive guard, from the New York Knicks in his third season to be six man of the year. And they have gone to so many lengths, uh, like the entire Commonwealth of Massachusetts has been rage tweeting about why, and why Brogdon is it. And you know what? It's one thing to say, I think Malcolm Brogdon should be six man of the year. Cause now like he has no case, but I see tweets like, there is no doubt in my mind that Malcolm Brogdon is a sixth man of the year. There is Emmanuel quickly has no case for sixth man of the year. Uh, and, you know, like, and of course, uh, a website owned by a Celtics fan put up a post today, had a story today about why Malcolm Brogdon was a sixth man of the year. And I was like, oh, what a surprise. Um, you know what's funny? Bill Simmons always says he has Celtic Knicks fans in his life. He can't find one of them to write for his stinking website. Not one. Can I get one? But anyway, that's either here nor there. Look, Jamal Crawford started 24 games in 2014 and one. 
Lou Williams started 18 games in 2018 and won. Eric Gordon started 15 games in 2017 and won. And I'm pretty sure if, if I went into the tweets of the entire Commonwealth of Massachusetts, I would not find any pushback on those people winning six men of the year. But when it's their guy against the New Yorker, no, 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 no. We can't have it. No, can't have it. All right. Listen, man. Well, listen. Again, Malcolm Brogdon is a fine player. I don't have to shit on Malcolm Brogdon to big up Emmanuel quickly. But like Mensa said, the award is locked up the day Emmanuel quickly was skipping around the TD Garden for 55 minutes en route to 38 points. And the fact that it happened on their floor in front of their player, uh, it, it, it burns. And you know what? They're going to have to put that in their pipe and smoke it. And that's it. And I can go through the stats and I can go through the metrics and stand third. But like, listen, I watch the games and half of the game is defense. And you want to come? You want to talk about defense? Hmm? Want to go there? Hmm? You want to go there? I go there anyway. So listen, it's over. Just get over it. He's going to get the award. And listen, like if I'm a Celtics fan, I'd be like, listen, I'm trying to win a championship. I don't care about six men. That's what they should be saying. But, you know, the Knicks can't have nice things, can they? I I mean, Sean, the last thing you said, they should be like, yeah, we're trying to win a championship. We're not worried about six man of the year because that's the only place left to go with this argument for Celtics fans, unfortunately. Um, this is done. This 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 race is over. Um, it's not a race. Uh I I don't think the voting is gonna be close. Um you know, you, you guys know where I want to go. Uh, I want to close the book on something we talked about several weeks ago on this very podcast when I presented the data-driven case for why, at that point, Emmanuel quickly was and should be the unanimous sixth man of the year in the NBA. So I definitely want to go to the numbers and kind of close the book on that. But I, I just want to say, if if the arguments that I see from Celtics fans are like, this guy is really a starter. Like he's too good. He he really is a starter, and he he's should too good to be a bench man. player. He should be a starter. Too <laughs> good to like, be a bench player. <laughs> like the guy has come off the bench for seventy eight percent of the games this season. Seventy eight percent of the games. So, as Mensa said, the rule, the qualification is you you come off the bench more games than you started. He clears that easily. He's only started 21% of the games this year. It's not close. Once you go to like, hey, this guy really, this guy really has started too many games and he's been too dominant in those games that he started, you lost the argument. But let's just go. I just want to go for the sake of closing the loop, closing the book, closing the door on this conversation. Let's finish it here. This is a six man of the year award that's coming down to two finalists, Emmanuel quickly, Malcolm Brogdon. Let's just quickly, no pun intended, revisit the numbers. Let's see how quickly and Brogdon stack up with regard to their impact on their teams over a full season. So the data that I'm about to share, these data encompass the full season. They aren't weighted by recent performances or recency bias or to any specific part of the season. Like none of that. It's a full season. We're talking 80 games. We have two games left in the season. We have an 80 game sample size that we're talking about. Evenly weighted. Let's just talk about these impact metrics. First up, 
estimated plus minus or EPM. In metric comparison studies, EPM is typically ranked as the most accurate, has the lowest prediction error, also voted on as the most trusted number one, uh, one number metric by data people around the league. Brogdon will finish the season with an EPM of about plus 0.2. Let me contextualize that. Brogdon is an excellent player. That plus uh, plus 0.2 is in the 73rd percentile of all players in the NBA. That is excellent. He is an excellent player, highly valuable. You'll see it from his counting stats. Looking at his estimated wins contributed based on EPM, which factors in playing time. Brogdon is at 3.7, which is again, 75th percentile. Excellent player. I am not taking away anything from Brogdon. I'm not saying he's trash. None of that stuff. He's, a, he's really good. Very good for the Celtics. Has been good his, mostly his entire career. Let's go to quickly. IQ has an EPM of plus 2.1. That's in the 87th percentile of the NBA. His estimated wins contributed is 7.8. You didn't mishear me. According to EPM, IQ has added more than double the number of wins that Brogdon has added. More than double. This is not close. We're not talking a close race. We're not talking neck and neck. More than double. Let's go to the next one. LeBron. Brogdon's LeBron is plus 0.28 and his wins added, which again measures total aggregate impact, is 2.4. IQ's LeBron plus 1.64. His wins added is 4.8. Again, double the number of wins added as Malcolm Brogdon. (laughs) This is two. These are two high-level impact metrics. Double. Next, Darko or Daily plus minus, Brogdon DPM plus 0.4, Quickly's DPM plus 1.9. Final metric I'm going to cite because I just wanted to go through this really quickly. 538's Raptor, Brogdon's overall Raptor is plus 1.8 and his Raptor above uh, wins above replacement is 4.1. Emmanuel Jalen Quickly, overall Raptor 3.3, Raptor War is 7.0. Guys, Celtics fans... Bucks fans, I don't know, Clippers fans, fans of any other team, the sixth man of the year race is over. This is done. This is over. There's no more conversation to be had. It's a runaway for quickly. Let's please stop embarrassing ourselves, making pathetic arguments for, for Brogdon that don't make sense, that are irrational, that are just sad. Focus on winning a title this year. The, the Celtics have a very solid chance. You know, like, let's just, let's, let's, let's tie the knot. Let's, Cut the, I, I don't know. Let's just end the conversation here. And I, I want Sean to finish it off. You know, when you read off that stat about 7.8 wins added, it made me think like, yes, because there are games where we were missing a player and the head coach decided, all right, I need, I'm missing a guy. Who am I going to put in his place? And chose Emmanuel quickly. So you mean to tell me that Emmanuel quickly should be penalized because his coach thought that the guy on the bench gave him the best chance to win? Say that shit out loud three times and tell me if it makes sense. Emmanuel quickly should not win sixth man of the year because his coach thought that he gave him the best chance to win when one of his starters was out. And you know why he thought that way? Because guess who Emmanuel quickly is? He's the sixth man. The defense rests. So now that we've shut the door on that conversation, hopefully we can put this to rest. We won't have to talk about it again until 
the announcement is made that quickly is one six man of the year. Um, you know, potentially in my opinion, one of the biggest blowouts for six man of the year that we've seen in a few years. Um, speaking of Emmanuel quickly, I think we wanted to segue and just talk about, you know, amongst the three of us, some of the predictions that we are most proud of. Um, mine has to do with IQ, but you know, I don't want to go first. I, I want one of you two to kind of kick us off here and just talk about some of the predictions that we're most proud of and some of the predictions that, you know, might look the worst at this point in time. Let's, let's, let's have a conversation about that. Um, okay. I'll start. Uh, so this one is, this one has been bandied about on the timeline and on TV and radio and podcasts, whatever. And I'm Lord knows I'm not the first person to have said it and I'm not alone. I'm not on an Island, but I just like to revisit the Jalen Brunson discussion in the summertime because it became abundantly clear when the brain trust of the New York Knicks front office showed up to that playoff game uh, of which many people thought they were, well, I don't know who the hell they were scouting. They were scouting both of them, uh, Mitchell and quick and, and, and um, Jalen Brunson. And it was apparently clear that that was going to be their target. And I said, all right, what's it going to take to sign this guy? It's going to take, it's going to sign, it's probably going to take between 20 and $25 million a year, which when you first think about it, it's like, holy shit. Especially if you're an older fan who remembers that uh, 20 million a year used to be a max. That was what uh, Amari Stoudemire got from us in 2010. Five years, 100 million. And then I sat there, I said, and, you know, it started flying. And the funny thing is, it's so amazing how, like, everyone loved Jalen Brunson when he was giving Donovan Mitchell the business in the playoffs. And then as soon as the Knicks, as soon as the links to the Knicks got real, all of a sudden it's, well, the year before he wasn't that good. He got benched for uh, whoever, I forget who, someone, Rick Carlisle benched for somebody. Uh, Trey Burke, I think it was, and oh, he's short and he's this, that, and and, and, he, and he's not athletic and that. And I was like, I literally just saw him bust Donovan Mitchell's ass and help, like, help the Mavericks beat the Jazz without Luka Doncic for half the series. And I remember looking up. Okay, they still say he's gonna make twenty five million dollars a year. And I remember going to Spot Track and I looked at all, and I ranked all of the point guards by salary and he slotted in right in the middle like he was around i i, I have a tweet somewhere i'll look for it but i think he was around he would have been either the 15th or 16th highest paid point guard in the league so i was like okay this guy's getting if he signs at this number he's getting market value and the amount of people outside the fan base as well as inside the fan base who clutch their pearls about just giving this guy this money. And I'm like, do you see who we've been running out at point guard the last 20 years? Like my prediction was this, we are not going to get the signing. I didn't say, and I, and I thought it would be a bargain when the caps, when the, when the, when the, when the caps spike went up, I'm like, he's a, like, we're signing at market value. And I had people saying, oh, we're, he's going to be the first non-all-star to get a hundred million dollars, only the Knicks, yada, yada, yada. And literally within two weeks, all that bullshit went up in smoke. All that bullshit went up in smoke. And now we have Charles Barkley, who 
will bang on a modern player as much as anybody will saying that is arguably the greatest free agent signing of all time. So I'm just, I, I wish other people had like, would just take a step back and, and, and when I don't understand Nick's PTSD is real, right? I understand that. Like, you know, I remember the I remember the Antonio McDyess trade. I remember this Eddie Curry trade. I remember the Andre Bargnani trade. I remember like I remember all that stuff. But like when it comes down to like when it comes down to this, I mean, where would we be without this guy? And we and like like think about it. And I'll I'll wrap up here. The New York Knicks went out and remember the, the rap on the Knicks. No one goes to New York. No free agents ever go to New York. And the Knicks went to the Western Conference finalists and said, thank you. Have a good day. And they've been in shambles to this day. So I'm proud of that one. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Um, because when we, especially on an episode when we're talking about recapping the season, um, what would this season be without Jalen Brunson? I remember um, early in the season, Macri was having like, a, basically a podcast by um, a post game by a post game. This is not a game we would have won without Jalen Brunson. We would have been like two and nine at the time. It was ridiculous. And I agreed wholeheartedly. So um, yeah, Jalen Brunson being right about Jalen Brunson is something you should absolutely be beating a chest about because we would, if, if this was three years from now and all NBA was positionless, we'd be having a serious conversation about which all NBA team does Jalen Brunson belong on. Um, so yeah, for the Knicks to go out and sign him, flat out was amazing. And I think a lot of the pushback at the time was due to this idea that Dallas knew better than the New York Knicks. Cause well, they had him for four years and well, um, they didn't want to give him 55. So the Knicks paying him a hundred is, is crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Bunch of stupidness because we've just seen Mark Cuban. Oh boy. Does Mark Cuban look Mark terrible? Cuban. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Um, shout out to Rick Brunson for being a good dad and getting his son out of a place where his son was not valued. We are not going to shame Rick Brunson for doing what any father would have done if given the same situation. Um, but let's really talk about this. Um, actually, no, we're not going to talk about Mark Cuban. I feel like I've given him enough energy, but I do want to say that he cannot handle being worse than Jim Dolan. And he is now like breaking down and we're watching it happen in 4K. It's, it's, it's glorious. Menta, I love Menta, the Menta, is Mark Cuban a worse owner than Jim Dolan? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, if I, think it's not last, I think it's not close. That's like, hilarious. Like, imagine how good the Knicks would have, like, okay, if, what is Mark Cuban's Dallas Mavericks without the, without Dirk Nowitzki, right? Dirk Nowitzki was great. Excellent. You can argue that Luka Doncic is a similar, if not superior talent. And those boys are struggling to get into the play-in. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. One of my favorite rappers ever, Jay-Z, on Lost One, said, I heard MF is saying they made Hove. Made Hove say, okay, so make another Hove. It looks like. Mark Cuban can't make another hove. And I love it because he let Jalen Brunson go and we are the beneficiaries for it. People made fun of us for moving heaven and earth. Like, oh, the Knicks moved heaven and earth for Jalen Brunson. He aight. He aight. He's more than all right. He's borderline all NBA and he's ours. And we didn't pay a damn thing for him. Um, shout out to Alec Burks. But <laughs> to move on to um, Sean, do you have something you want to say? Really I was going to say real quickly, I found a tweet. Uh, 
at the time it was June 3rd of 2022. He's going to be the 14th highest played point guard in the league. Like we needed a point guard. He got the best one available by Marker rate. That was a win. Um, I also had a friend of mine on Twitter, shout out to Jada Wakanda tech support who, and he said he is a, he's a Laker fan. And he said two years ago, he said, Mark Cuban is James Dolan in a 10 gallon hat. And, um, <laughs> And I actually think I love now that's, that's not fair to Jim Dolan because Jim Dolan has not interfered in one basketball decision in 10 years. And, but, you know, narrative, oh, it, Jim Dolan's the worst. Like, there's a tweet, my man Hoop Space has put out a tweet, who's worse, Cuban or Dolan? And Dolan is winning like 50, 54% to 46%. I'm just like, you're not paying attention. At you all. You are not paying attention at all. Yeah. So shout out to Jim Dolan for staying out of the business. His problem early on. Well, his problem has always been that he trusted the wrong people, but he's always been an owner that spend money and got out of the way. That is not the same for Mark Cuban. But to move on to um, my Jalen Brunson segue to my prediction that I'm most proud of, it is when everybody was saying the Knicks are going to win 36, 37, 38. Vegas had the line, I think, at 38 and a half. Um, I was very, very, very certain that this team was going to win 47 games. Why was I certain about that? Because I like numbers and I don't like to be stupid. So the Knicks were um, by Pythagorean win, which is the expected win loss, which is a lot of times in wins and losses, we will have, um, there can be some randomness. There can be some noise there, like, especially like in the clutch where a team loses a lot of close games, but they actually perform better. They should have won by the stats. The Knicks last year lost a lot of close games for uh, different stupid reasons that I don't want to talk about. We underperformed our Pythagorean win loss, I think, by we were supposed to be 41 and 41 and we ended at 37 and 45. So we were four games worse than our Pythagorean win loss. I figured this was a 41 win team that got rid of the nonsense point guard play and added Jalen Brunson. I also figured that our young players were due to progress um, and we would be, I thought that that would be worth at least six wins on top of the 41 wins. So I said 47 and 35, which was nine wins higher than where um, Vegas had us, which is where you can go down the list, Bleacher Report, um, ESPN, any anybody who writes nationally, who writes locally that did a Knicks win-loss prediction got it wrong. I got it right. I was very proud of that because I did not let narrative bias get in the way. Some people called me a homer for it. They told me I was way too optimistic. And it looks like by next weekend, my prediction will be pessimistic because the Knicks have 49 wins on the table. So I'm very proud of that. I'm proud that I believed in this team because at the end of the day, we are um, a fan driven podcast. We are uh, a nation of fans and it's important that we believe in our guys and I believed in them and they did not make me look like an idiot. So I'm very proud of that. Um, and we can keep going, man. Like I I'm really happy to see where the Knicks have gone, especially because like the way the season started, we were teetering around 500. We were, um, we were the mid Knicks and they just, they did not accept that. Tom Thibodeau made some great adjustments in season, especially from the moment we went to the nine man rotation. I believe we are, 
I want to say 37 and 20 since the nine man rotation um, was installed. I think that's December 4th. I don't have the numbers in front of me. So uh, forgive me if I'm a little off. I could check that for you. Cause I actually tweeted that like two days ago. I pulled yeah. Cause I tweeted, I think we were like 36 and 20 and we've won a game since then. So I think it's 37 and 20. Um, but again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, very, very, very proud of the way this team has played since then, since we got rid of uh, Devin, Devin, Derek Rose and Evan Fournier to, well, one guy that is literally like Tom Thibodeau's guy. Like that's Tom Thibodeau's guy, Derek Rose. He sat him down for the good of the team. We got to see um, Deuce McBride get some really good minutes early, especially on that December 4th game, which is really what gave me the confidence that the New York Knicks can compete with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because when we threw... Uh, Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes on um, Donovan Mitchell. And he did not play well that night. He took a lot of shots and I think he may have ended up scoring a lot of points, but the efficiency was not there from him. I saw a new Knicks team. And from that point to now, if the Knicks, if the Knicks didn't play Evan Fournier and if um, Quentin Grimes was healthy early on, we are, we could be looking at a 50 win team, a 50 plus win team. Cause that's the pace they're playing at since December 4th. And then the Josh Hart trade getting rid of, um, not getting rid of, but moving on from Quentin Grimes and being smart about which pick to get rid of as far as the New York Knicks pick or the Dallas Mavericks pick betting on ourselves all throughout this season, watching Julius Randle come back and bet on himself, watching Jalen Brunson literally leave the shadow of Luka Doncic and say, I can run my own team. Team, bet on himself, watching Emmanuel quickly play, watching um, even Obi Toppin in his short moments. Just the whole, the entire team has made me so proud this season. And I predicted they would go 40, they would win 47 games. They could, they could do better than that. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud that I was a lot higher on these Knicks than a lot of other people because I, as somebody who likes to spend money on sports wagers, I think that the New York Knicks you know, being right about sports is something that can pay. So I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of what the Knicks have showed me this season. Yeah, that, that's, those are both money predictions and things that both of you should be proud of. I'm going to talk about mine, but just so you all know, we're not only going to talk about things that we were right about. We're also going to talk about things that we were wrong about. But first, um, what I will say is the thing that I'm most proud of predicting is something I said on this very podcast or very early on in the season. Um, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because we've talked about this player quite a bit already. Um, my prediction was that Emmanuel quickly would be a borderline all-star. And not only that, he'd be the third man in this Knicks, in the Knicks big three. We have Julius Randle, we have Jalen Brunson, and we have other guys who could compete for that third spot. Mitchell Robinson, um, RJ Barrett. I thought it'd be Emmanuel quickly. And by the season's end, he is the third most important player on this team. And with Randall out at this point, might be the second most important player on this team. Um, but we talked a lot about quickly. So something else I want to talk about a prediction, uh, sort of a prediction that I made, or maybe a proclamation, is that the Knicks have the best roster in the NBA, three through nine. Something I've been talking about all season. And we spoke a little bit about EPM estimated plus minus something I looked up a little earlier today is that the Knicks are the only team in the NBA to have six players in the top 90 in EPM and in the top 80 in estimated wins, six different players in the top 90. According to EPM, we have six of the top 90 players in the NBA on one team. The only team in the NBA who can claim that, that, that means a lot. 
And let me tell you, let me tell you what else that doesn't include guys like Isaiah Harnstein and Obi Toppin, who were both in this group last year. Both of them were in this same group last year, and they are not on that group this year. So we have six guys in addition to those two. And also doesn't include RJ Barrett, who we know is 22 years old and easily has the potential to be in that group. And potential wise could be one of the highest in that group. This is a huge deal. This is just a little bit of data to support the idea that we have the best squad in the NBA three through nine. Um, And to be honest, one of the reasons why it's so huge is that if they wanted, if the Knicks want to go in this direction, they could trade for a star and still have the requisite high level role pieces to still compete. Um, and this is a thought that was triggered for me by a post by uh, Stacy Patton of the of Strick, uh, Strickland on Twitter, and it got me thinking. His post got me thinking. Like a lot of these teams, they trade their guys, their their role players, and all their picks away for a star. Um, how do you get these role players back when you traded all your role players and the picks, which is normally how you acquire role players that are really good and can, and can support a star to win a championship. So you traded all those guys away and you got the star. How do you reacquire those role players? It seems like the best way to do that is to have a surplus of high level role players such that you can trade away a few, you keep some, and now you have the star and the role players and the Knicks are perfectly positioned. And I would argue, I would argue Best position in the NBA to be able to trade away high-level role players, retain high-level role players, and be ready to compete for a championship immediately. Not be out there searching on the buyout market, not be out there begging guys to come to the team who could be washed up, but maybe they got a little life left in them, and maybe they'll take a little cut to potentially win a championship in New York. No, we'll have those guys here already. We'll have those guys here already. So I'm super excited about that potential you know, that's definitely looking forward. We're talking about the season in retrospect, but just as far as a prediction, I just genuinely believed that the Knicks have the best. And, and I, I believed at the beginning, the Knicks had the best roster in the NBA three through nine. And, you know, we're, we're, we're stacked. We, we got the deepest team in the league. So that's something to be excited about. And that's something that I think has been demonstrated over the course of the season. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. John, you want anything you want to add to that? Yeah, um... I think John had referenced it during the pod of Jeremy, but, you know, Nick Friedel on the Hoop Collective said that, you know, even though he wouldn't surprise him, uh, he expects Cleveland to beat us in the first round. In terms of future, he'd rather have the Knicks future than Cleveland's because Cleveland, yes, they have the star. They don't have the superstar but they have a star and we can have that discussion another time, but they yielded control of five consecutive drafts for that star. So what they're banking on is in-house development, not like, Oh, what we're going to do to get the next guy. Cause they really can't get the next guy. So yeah, like, listen, we are in a very good place. Like we have the, we have the talent and we, we have the talent 
and we have the assets. Yeah, really quickly. I don't like just a yes or no answer. I don't want to turn this into a podcast. Hindsight being twenty twenty, do you think um, knowing that knowing value at the time, do you think Cleveland should have offered Evan Mobley instead of Larry Markinen? Hindsight being twenty twenty. No. How about you, XJ? I I I know it's not good podcasting. You have dead air, but. That was a big, that's a, that's a big question for me. I am so high on Lowry Markinen, Um, and I am not as high on Evan Mobley as some people are. I know it's almost, <laughs> that's people, not my guy. People, <laughs> people believe it is a foregone conclusion that he is going to be a max guy and this super impactful guy. I mean, on defense, he's excellent. Uh, is his offense going to come around to that level? That is not a foregone conclusion to me. I, <laughs> That's a tough question, Mensa. I, I, I don't have an For answer me, right now. I think he was knowing what we know now. Um, they absolutely should have traded Evan Mobley because you're talking about Lowry Markinen and Jarrett Allen as your four and your five next to Donovan Mitchell. Oh, my goodness. That would be unstoppable especially with the way Larry shoots the ball. Like you don't, you can sacrifice on the rim protection. You can get a backup big, right? So I personally, in hindsight, especially knowing that adding Evan Mobley would have lowered the pick cost. You wouldn't have to trade it away five years of your draft unprotected. It may have had, it may have been three years. It may have been Evan Mobley and picks um, 25, 27 unprotected with a 26 swap. And, and you have Lowry marketing with Jared out. Al- oh my goodness. <laughs> I would have been picking them to win the championship, to be honest. They would have been lights out. And Evan Mobley, like, you're not you, – we don't have – he might be good in three years. He might be good next year. We don't know. Larry Markkinen is great right now, and they went all in. I don't know. I don't know. I think they made a mistake there. You said you don't want to start a podcast, so I'm not going to say anything. And the podcast has started. <laughs> uh, we, no, I mean – we can go down. No, we can go down a rabbit hole. We're not going to do that. So, but that's a good question, though. I said no because I said no because of the defense. Um, you think like the the offense could come around because the defense you can't teach. So that's why. But honestly, the point that you're making, like, yeah, those guys offensively, Jesus Christ. So, um, with DG, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, (laughs) well. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's spin it. You know, we, we all did our victory laps and gave ourselves pats on the back. Well-deserved because these are tough calls that we made and, and all seem to be completely true. Um, let's maybe talk about our worst takes, uh, in, in, with the, the season in hindsight, what were our worst takes, um, at the beginning of the season? Who wants to start with the terrible take? Uh, I'll start. Uh, Sometime in October, I was it was a Friday night. I was sitting in my backyard on a Twitter space because, you know, that's what I do on Friday nights. Uh, and, you know, discussion, a lot of discussions were had, yada, yada, yada. And then the, the discussion turned to Evan Fournier. And I 
while recognizing Everfornia has limitations, do not get me wrong. I always, and you know, people were saying like, why is he still playing? We should, he should be DF, he should be on the bench. Um, look what Duncan, look, look if the, he could do it to Duncan Robinson, we could do it here. And I always kept going back to the point that I was like, yo, we need, but we need shooting. Like we've been yelling for years how we need a shooting. And he's a career 38% three point shooter. So that night I tweeted, Evan Fournier has a place on this team and I will die on that hill. And guess what? I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm rolling down the hill. (laughs) Now I will say this, the idea that people, the idea that uh, Evan Fournier's next team is going to be the Shanghai Sharks is ridiculous. Like again, he's a career 38% three point shooter. You will see him on the NBA. His, his next team will be an NBA team. And if it's in the proper role, you'll be like, Oh, look it's Evan Fournier. But for this team, it just didn't work because what this team needed, especially next to Jalen Brunson, especially next to a point guard who defensively leaves something to be desired playing in front of one player who uh, eats popcorn while playing D and another player who has the ability to play defense, but for whatever reason, I don't know what's going on with him. It just didn't work. And shout out to Tom Thibodeau for saying like, you know what? This ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. And he sat him. So listen, I said that because I figured there was a way if you're Tom Thibodeau, you can get a top 10 defense. You, If you're a, a Tom Thibodeau team should have a top 10 defense just by rolling out of bed. And since the since he went to the nine-man rotation, the Knicks are 11th in defensive rating. So they're almost there. So, yep, that's what I said. So as much as I can victory lap about Jalen Brunson, you can throw that in my face, which one person on Twitter who shower main nameless does all the time. And this was why I spend the block on him as much as I do. But that's another conversation for another day. So that's mine. Okay, yeah. So for me, um, predictable, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I thought that RJ Barrett would have been an all star this year. It wasn't I wasn't by myself on that hill. That's the first thing. I think a lot of people, um, especially after watching what RJ Barrett did to close this season in year three, thought he would come out year four guns blazing and be an all-star. And we saw the glimpses. Let's be clear. Just three weeks ago, this guy had 30 in a, basically a must win game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, played a really good game against Miami recently, but he is still um, consistently inconsistent. Um, on offense, the defense has gone from promising to non-existent in two years, which has been uh, the epitome of disappointment, I think, especially for a lot of Knicks fans. And then uh, shout out to Prez from the Strickland. He had a really good thread about R.J. Barrett's performance against Cleveland, which I think is the last time we saw him play basketball. And man, the athleticism just I did not see that coming. From him, like I did not, did not, did not see him being such a poor athlete at the. I don't know if it's the weight. I think I saw I recently somebody tweeted a picture. I don't know who, uh, so I'm sorry for not shouting you out. But somebody tweeted a picture of R.J. Barrett um, at, at Duke and him now. It, they're like two different human beings. He put on so much weight. Men, is that a real? 
I know you watch them closely at Duke. Is that a real, cause you know how they have those Zion photos where it's like, yeah, Zion's not like 500 pounds. Come on, chill. Like, you guys did something to this photo. Like, like, is it like that kind of thing? Or is he, was he no. really that thin at Duke? I, I would have to go back and look at like actual footage, but to me it was stark. And I guess this might just be my own biases like coming through because I didn't actually do the homework. I was like, yeah, that has to be it. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, no, but he does look noticeably slower. I didn't think elevation was going to be a problem for him coming out, but like when you're getting your shot blocked by random Cleveland Cavalier, um, I think it was like Chetty Osman blocking your shot. Like that's really, that's not what you want. Um, this has been the season from, from hell for RJ Barrett relative to expectations, because when you step back and you look at it, it's like, yeah, it's really not that bad. But, um, in terms of like impact metrics, in terms of where we expected him to be, in terms of, you know, he just got paid. Um, he is not the player that we wanted him to be. And I teeter on like optimistic and disappointed with him these days. I'm still on, I'm still hundred percent RJ Barrett's corner, but it's like, man, if he were as good as, um, as Zion, as Ja, as Darius Garland, you know, like if he was that level of basketball player, the Knicks would be going to the NBA finals this year. Like, let's Immediate let's be honest. Attention. Yeah. Let's be honest. So for him to not be there with where the team has been, with the team we built in terms of talent around him, in terms of fit, it's a different story. But the talent that is around RJ Barrett, if he was there, like, man, Man, oh, man. But that was easily my worst prediction is that R.J. Barrett was going to be an all-star this year. And it's not that he was a complete and total bum, but yeah, he didn't sniff it. Definitely a tough call. I mean, I I, I still have hope for R.J. I know you do too, Mensa. Um, but yeah, that he didn't take the leap yet this season. Um, and and my, my worst prediction is probably because I didn't listen to Mensa at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I called the Knicks to have a 42 win team this season. Would be um, like the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> or the Minnesota one, of the, Timberwolves. one of those teams below us. I don't know who they are anymore. I don't, we, we don't pay attention to them. Right, Sean. So we don't, don't worry about teams behind us. I don't Nor even know do who's back playing. there. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't listen to Mensa at the beginning of the season. I thought the Knicks would have a 42 win team this season. Um, and you know, I can explain my, my rationale for it. I, I, I didn't expect this level from Jalen Brunson. I thought he would be good. I thought his contract, I think he, I thought he would play at the value of his contract, not way surpassed it. I thought he would play at the value of his contract, which would not make him a top 10 point guard in the NBA, but more like a top 15, top 17 ish guy. I think he's like number 16 in average, uh, average, uh, uh, per year value on his contract. And he is far surpassing that, that value. Um, I expected a regression to his talent level from Julius Randall. Um, I didn't expect him to be as bad as he was last season, but I didn't expect him to be, better than he was in the we here season. I, I, I did, I did not see that coming. I didn't see Randall putting it all together offensively, changing his shot diet so aggressively um, and becoming an almost an entirely different player in terms of like his, his play style with how consistent he was at getting into the paint, getting fouled, um, making and ones being efficient, being effective, getting downhill, being just the bully that we, 
know that he could be. Um, I didn't see him putting it all together this way. Uh, so I expected positive regression from him. I didn't expect it to come at this level. Uh, and, and finally, the big one is I expected the Tibbs that we had last year. This Tibbs this year is not the same Tibbs we had last year. And I just want to be clear. I think a lot of people do this and, and, and I'm definitely, um, you know, I'm definitely someone who is culpable for this as well, but people take victory laps because, you know, Oh, you know, look, Tibbs is great. And, and you guys were wrong to me. I think both things are right. I don't think Tibbs was very good last year. I think he made a lot of poor decisions. I think he had bad rotations. I think he was too uh, stingy and rigid. Um, I I think that some of the schematic things that he was doing were not working well and he didn't change from them. Um, and I think he cost him some games last year, to be honest. This year, Tibbs should be in contention to get some votes for coach of the year. He did. He's done an amazing job. Um, I didn't expect Emmanuel quickly to play as much as he has. I didn't expect Quentin Grimes to play as much as he has. I expected Evan Fournier to probably start for most of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see this kind of turnaround from the combination of Tibbs and Randall. And I didn't see this level from Jalen Brunson. I never had an issue with the contract. I thought the contract was good. Um, I didn't think the contract was a steal, was literally a steal. Like we, it, it changes the, our trajectory having a point guard at this level on uh, like a hundred million dollar contract and Brunson's opting out. <laughs> I remember, you know, early on, it was like, yeah, you know, and, and if Brunson opts out in his last year, then that would have meant, you know, that's a great contract. We know now after midway through the first season, Brunson opted out, <laughs> he's opting out. He's going for back for another contract. So a steal of a contract. I just think, I think those are the things that I got wrong and uh, should have listened to Mensa. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you say, especially that last part about agreeing. <laughs> um, but I do want to say that the only thing that um, I don't necessarily agree with is that this is a different coach from last year. I think his situation changed as far. And then I want to credit Sean here because he always says that Tibbs with his back against the wall is like Red Holtzman. You know, <laughs> he turns into like Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich. And like, that's when all the ingenuity comes out and all like the smart decisions that we were screaming about for such a long time. Um, yeah. I, I do want to say that Nick's Twitter was right. Tom Thibodeau was wrong. <laughs> and I will yeah, go to my, we got to throw that in. That. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I actually, speaking of Tibbs, that reminds me of a, it wasn't really a prediction that went wrong, but I remember uh, the Knicks wall at the beginning of the season said, give us your hottest take. And I thought of this take and I put posted it and I'll read it for you. And it's the take was Tom Thibodeau will be fired after 117-91 home loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, dropping the Knicks to eight and 16. The loss spurred by Donovan Mitchell's 41-12-9 in front of a hostile, borderline toxic MSG crowd proved to be the final straw for owner Jim Doan sitting courtside. And to think if they lost that, that game, almost happened. that <laughs> would have happened. Turns out like, that was a game that changed the season. And I remember I was in, I was in, I was in Las Vegas that weekend for a reunion. And I remember watching the, the Dallas game and then saying to myself, like, wow, like, this is really going to happen tomorrow. I can't, but now, granted, they were eight and 16, but they were, they were 10 and 13 at the time. And I was like, I can't believe that's going to happen. Now it didn't, 
and clearly I got it wrong, but I'm glad I did it wrong. But wow, like that was that was crazy. That was crazy. I will say you had the turning point of the season absolutely nailed. You knew that the season was going to turn on December 4th against the Cavs. It just turned the opposite way. And I think we're all happy about that. Yeah, it just seemed too obvious because, like, you know, like, listen, you know, players, one, like to show off in the garden, two, like to make up fake beefs to, uh, to, to against the Knicks to show out at the garden. And I was like, okay, now the guy who never asked for a trade to New York is now going to act like New York didn't want him and, and go and go crazy. So, um, I mean, he tried, you know, eight of 22, though, but whatever. So, Hopefully we see more of the, those eight of 22s coming up soon from your um, lips to God's ears. <laughs> uh, and, and let's kind of, let's kind of close on this, this last very last topic. Um, let, you know, the, again, season recap kind of finish up here. Uh, what's the, the thing that surprised you the most um, you Sean and Mensa and myself, about the next season. I, I I mean, there's a lot of candidates. I mean, we kind of touched on some that could be candidates, but I'm just curious if you had to choose one thing that surprised you the most about this next season, what would that be? Uh, for me, it was, well, this is, this kind of like tied to each other. Mitchell Robinson's consistency and maturity. So took me by absolute shock. I thought that once he got paid, we were looking at like when NFL players get paid their first contract and then like fall off a cliff. I thought that that was it for him. He was going to, you know, get his contract and kind of just loaf on his God-given ability to see Mitchell Robinson be the anchor of this defense the way he has, which we all known was there, but I was a Mitchell Robinson doubter. And then this season, I even predicted that at the end of the season, Isaiah Hartenstein would supplant him in the starting um, starting lineup, which isn't my worst take just because Isaiah Hartenstein has been really good. And if, and if he was a starter, we wouldn't be worse off for it. But a lot of it had to do with my uh, my doubt of Mitchell Robinson. So to see what he was, what he's been able to do as like our anchor, and then on top of that, um, with how good he's been defensively, see this team is like what 18th in defense for the season. Um, like we're top ten since, um, well not top ten, eleventh as Sean just said since December fourth since he went to the nine man rotation. We're eighteenth in defensive rating this year overall. Eighteenth right now. Like for that to have been the case. With him playing so well, I guess I underestimated how bad on defense some of the other starters would be who I'm not going to talk about right now. But yeah, no, Mitchell Robinson has been the surprise of the season. And although like there are and I think Mackie tried to do this on last night's postgame, try to like point to who has been like like as far as the blame chart goes, like what slice do you give? Like who gets a bigger slice and like the why the season went so well? I think Mitchell Robinson has been, I want to say Jessica's it's so hard, how, but he's been very instrumental in our success this year. And I remember even you, XJ, you were saying that when he got hurt, like <laughs> the season might've tanked and, but then did credit to the Knicks. It didn't because he's, she's just been so rock solid all year. Um, I have an honor. I have one and I have an honorable mention. Uh, my honorable mention is actually another one of my predictions that did not come true. And that prediction was that either one of Obi Toppin or Julius Randle will not be on the team past the all past the trade deadline. And I said that because I was actually at the preseason game, uh, 
when they played the Pacers and when Obi top and Obi did the through the legs dunk and my son was there and that, and, and my son was at the game and that was a moment he became his favorite player. Um, and I remember just watching the, just listening to the crowd go nuts for him to do everything and the Obi chance and coming off of the season before, I was like, dude, this is not, this is not tenable. This is not sustainable. So it's honorable mention because the reason why that, trade the reason why that prediction did not come true i did not foresee coming which was julius randall becoming all-star again and all nba again most likely um but the one thing i'm surprised of the most and this is for me number one for bullet um i am now going to run off the list of teams who have a better offensive rating than the new york knicks this season the sacramento kings that's it. That's the list. The New York Knickerbockers under Tom Thibodeau are second in offensive rating. Are we in a simulation? Not only is it crazy that the New York Knicks are second, but the Kings are first. <laughs> what NBA are we in? This is nuts. Under under Mike Brown, Mike Brown and Tom Thibodeau are coaching the well, the Kings are the have the best offense in the history of the league. New York might be too because a couple of weeks ago they were like seventh all time. So not it's on my insane. bingo card. Not on my bingo card. Nope. So that that's mine. Like I can't. Like I cannot believe that. Like and that's why to like the point that um, Mensa said earlier. Like Tom Thibodeau, it's in there. It's in there. But you got to freaking push him to the edge. He has to be teetering on the edge to get it to get it out. It's just oh, like three and seventeen in February last year. I never forget it. <laughs> um, well, that's a perfect segue to mine because Sean, I have the same exact one. Is <laughs> the Knicks' offensive rating? That was my exact uh, biggest surprise of the season. Uh, I. I like to look at a uh, adjusted offensive rating, which accounts for strength of uh, schedule. The by that the Knicks are third. I have the third highest uh, best offensive rating to Philadelphia. Either way you look at it, top two, top three offensive rating. <sighs> I didn't see that coming. I mean, I you could have given me fifty guesses, predictions for things that would happen, and I would not say the Knicks would have a top two or three offense in the NBA. Um, what has happened is that the Knicks ball control, uh, keep, uh, keep track of the ball, keep possessions. Um, that style of offense has been amazingly effective. Uh, the Knicks have the second, um, our second in the NBA in offensive rebounding percentage. But as we know, offensive rebounding percentage doesn't correlate with uh, high offensive rating. So it's not necessarily that teams that have a really great offensive rebound percentage just have great offenses. That is not, that does not correlate. That does not follow. It is the whole entire picture, the system from the New York Knicks that works extremely well. They've gotten their effective field goal percentage up to 19th. It was like down at like around 25th in the NBA, um, which is about what it was last year. I think they were like 26 last year, but they don't turn the ball over fifth in turnover percentage. They get, as we mentioned, a ton of offensive rebounds, second in offensive rebound percentage. They get to the free throw line, eighth in free throw rate. Um, all of these things just combined um, to give the Knicks a top two or three offensive in the NBA. And I did not see that coming last year. Uh, they were the 24th offense in the NBA. To go from 24th 
to number two or three, like with few um, major lineup and roster changes besides adding a guy like Jalen Brunson and changing the way, like, I, I mean, honestly, a roster change can be considered the Julius Randle shot diet from last year to this year is like a different player that we have now, a much more efficient and effective player. So yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. That has blown me away and, you know, I've been nothing but, but excited about it. So we'll, we'll see how things translate to the postseason. but that's, that's the biggest one for me at Mensa. Yeah. Um, Larry Markin is the most improved player. Let's just call it, but the New York Knicks going from 24th and to second, that is Jalen Brunson's most improved player. Crazy. That is his, that is his, that is his argument right there. Every year since Julius Randle has been with the New York Knicks, three out of four years, the Knicks were bottom 10 in offense. Julius Randle centric, centric offenses, bottom 10, the first year, bottom 10, the second year, the we here season, we were bottom 10 in offense last year. We were bottom 10 in offense to add Jalen Brunson to a roster that has been mainly static. We've, we've made some changes to the rotation, but this roster hasn't been flipped night and day. I, at least not from last year to add Jalen Brunson to this offense and to watch us go from 24th to second. And we're ISO heavy. This isn't like, you know, is show. Um, I'm sorry. Um, Tom Thibodeau is not Sean McVay, you know, like he's not reinventing offense out there for Jalen Brunson to come to this team. And for that to be the, like, that's it right there. 24th to second. Wow. That is, that is a shocker. And so I just looked up most highest offensive rating in the history of the league. The Knicks have the third highest offensive rating in the history in the 70, this is the, this is what the 76 season, 77th season of NBA basketball. Now, granted, to be fair, five of the top 10 of all time are this season. So take that for a grain of salt, but it's literally number one, the Sacramento Kings, who have hit a hundred more threes than the Knicks have this season. And number two is the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets, who had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all on the same team and the New York Knicks with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly and Evan Fournier and Derek Rose are third all time in freaking same. Yeah, it really is crazy how, you know, these New York Knicks have surprised us as fans, but I want to just, take some time to shout out all the other fans that we surprised. So um, in order, uh, people in Detroit, <laughs> you thought your team would be better than us. How'd that work out? Oh, um, oh Detroit might make the play in it. Eh? Uh, Charlotte, I'm pretty sure you guys thought you'd be better than us. Um, Trailblazers fans told me I was on crack when I suggested that Julius Randle would be a good fit with Damian Lillard. Um, Wizards fans, you guys thought you'd be better than us. Uh, Pacers fans, how's it going? Um, <laughs> the, the Utah Jazz, yeah, you guys, oh, we don't need the New York Knicks. We're going to be better than – no. Um, yeah, Oklahoma City, you guys are cool. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you guys or anything. Or um, real quick about the Jazz, we're tr- we're trying to tank. You couldn't even get that part right. <laughs> Stuck to in Tommy the Beer. middle. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Tommy Beer who pointed out that like, yo, they are. How did they find themselves in the middle? How did they find themselves in the middle? <laughs> Crazy. Thank you, Larry Markinen. Okay, um, Chicago fans. 
Moving on. Um, <laughs> Dallas fans, how you doing? Um, Toronto. Uh, yeah, sorry. Mm, what do you guys call it? The Raptor foot? The Euro step is the Raptor foot? The, the Canada wait, step? No, wait, yeah. minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That, wait a minute. They, that's a thing? They call it the Raptor foot? I had um, never heard the Raptor the foot. Step. That sounds... No, no, no. Sean, we were in... No, no, no. Because you were in a space. Remember, we lost. And I, I tuned into that space. And they were yes. like, the Canada step. I'm like, okay, Canada stepped off. How about that? Um, <laughs> the Minnesota Timberwolves, how's it going? Los Angeles Lakers, uh, the most insufferable fan base in all of basketball. Yeah, you guys are worse than us. Um, it was chill. Atlanta, the Lakers, my the Lakers. No, 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 Midlanta, we Midlanta. How's it going, Trey Young? How's it going? Progr- not all progression is linear. Dejounte Murray. <laughs> Dejounte Murray. Um, Knicks fans wanted Dejounte Murray. Um, how's it going? How's it going in Atlanta? Keep going. Uh, the Pelicans. I, I'm, I'm gonna leave the Pelicans alone. Golden State, worse than the New York Knicks. How we doing? The Clippers, worse than the New York Knicks. My favorite motherfuckers to hate. The Miami Heat. Heat culture. How we doing? How are we doing? Your team is going to finish worse than the New York Knicks. Have a disaster. How about that? Uh, Brooklyn Nets. We laughed at you all season. I don't need to keep laughing. Let's keep going. The Phoenix Suns are worse than the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only seven teams right now have a better record than the New York Knicks. And I was told that we would be lucky. We would be lucky. We would be lucky. We would be lucky to be 20th in the NBA. So I'm going to take my time because I don't know if I'll ever get this moment again. Life is short, but God spare life. I'm sure I'll, I'll see a lot of good Knicks seasons, but I did want to take my time to say everybody who thought you were going to be better than the New York Knicks and you were not, you took us for granted. And now we don't speak playing. So have a good day. I, I just want to give a shout out to, um, the Atlanta Hawks who mortgaged their future for a player who took them from eighth to eighth. It's sort of. <laughs> imagine, imagine, imagine mortgaging oh, your man. future to go from eighth to eighth. <laughs> you love to see it. Eighth this year means a little more, I guess, but I, I mean, still in the middle. Uh, the record right now for the Atlanta Hawks is uh, okay. They're no longer at 500, uh, 41 and 39. I think they're, they're the definition of mid. Um, Sucks to be you guys. I want to say one last thing. Um, and this is going. We may look back on the day. I know what? I'm going to save it. I'll just say this. GMAC. Can we have a Patreon podcast where we talk about the rest of the league? Because I know the rest of the league discussion is for Patreon. I got some shit I want to get off about the rest of the league. So I, I will. I will politely ask that we get one Patreon pod this summer because I, I like got some idea. stuff to get off of my channel. <laughs> I like, I like that idea. I am definitely right down with for you that. Guys. Right, definitely down for that. Um, wow, what a way to close things out! Thank you for running through that that extensive list of teams who are worse than the New York Knicks this year. Um, a shockingly, shockingly long list of teams who are worse than the New York Knicks this year. Um, great. Appreciate that, Mensa. Um, to, to wrap things up, this was Casual Friday. Thank you to my co-host, Sean with a dub, Mensa with an S. I'm XJ with an XJ. Um, you know, this is going to be the last Casual Friday of the season where we focus on the regular season. We are ready to leave the regular season behind us. 
Next week's Casual Friday would be a postseason preview as we get in on all the exciting KFS content that we have coming next week. Um, any last words from either of my co-hosts? So you mean next week we get to talk about the playoffs? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Um, well, listen. Like XJ said, that's all we got. Uh, make sure to check us out next week. Uh, make sure to check out uh, Study Hall. will be on Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Myself and Chris Persiani will be talking about – we'll probably do a little playoff preview there. I'll probably dunk on some people who are still crying about Donovan Mitchell. Um, there will be a game on Sundays, so most likely Jeremy and John will record on Monday. Well, they'll probably have a good big playoff preview. Um, we'll probably uh, X, not XJ um, G, GMAC will probably have another uh, pregame pod about the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's going to be a lot of them coming up coming up soon. Um, and also, if you didn't check out Dream Dream uh, Draft Rules, everything around me with Chris Bresciani, please check that out. Uh, the, the, the content is a bit evergreen because obviously the draft is a bit bit of a ways away. So make sure you check that out. And did I forget any of our content? Oh, if you are not a patron, please sign up to become a patron. The minimum, the metal tier, $7 a month. That gets you access to our playbacks. That gets you access to an extra newsletter from John. And that gets you access to an extra pod uh, with with John and GMAC, where they they discuss everything except the New York Knicks. That's our that's our mellow tier, seven dollars a month. Uh, the Monroe tier at fifteen dollars a month gives you well, actually, no. The the Ewing tier gets you at the town hall. That's thirty three dollars a month. I forget the difference between the mellow the, the mellow tier and the U and the Monroe tier, but trust me, you get more stuff. The Monroe tier gets you access to the uh, town halls. Oh, it does. All right. So the that means the Ewing tier gets you access to uh, John and G, GMAC's text messages. Um, so you can read those and then just be. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to the fire playoff tees that we got that we got on sale right now, too, by the way. Try to grab those so you can get them in time to rock them for the first round. Yes. Get some merch. Go to at Nick Film School. That's Nick. Nick film s-k-o-l to get our merch there's t-shirts there's hoodies there's tank tops you might want to get tank tops um the gun sh- this gun show season coming soon so you can go ahead and do that uh, so all right so uh for xj and for mensa i'm sean for w thank you for watching nick's nation let's ride <laughs> <laughs>